Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. Now we're now going to read the Bible together from Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 18. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray... Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look sombre as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Hear the word of the Lord. Well, I hardly know where to begin. Um, Michael, praying publicly, like shamelessly in, in front of us all, Like, no wonder God tried to stop you. (laughs) Seriously, what part of Matthew 6, verse 6, don't you understand? The Lord Jesus said, when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Shame on you. But but can can we blame him, poor poor unsuspecting Michael. I mean, he comes to Ridley. There is a whole culture here. Matthew 6, verse 3, the Lord Jesus commands us, when you give to the needy, 
Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, but pity anyone who decides to give money to the poor and needy of Ridley College. The accounts department takes down all of your details and they send you a receipt. It's like, sure, don't let your left hand know what you're doing, but make sure you've got all the documentation so that you can tell the Australian Taxation Office exactly what's going on. It's not that I'm angry. I'm just disappointed. Well, I reckon there's nothing like a bit of shoddy exegesis and some manipulative guilt tripping to kick off a sermon. How'd that go for you? Of course, it's not, a, it's not difficult, is it, to realise that uh, uh, there is a, a misreading of uh, Matthew 6, verse 3, Matthew 6, verse 6, and, uh, um, uh, and it's not hard to see that uh, uh, Jesus isn't, um, isn't here making a blanket ban on all public ministry. I mean, look, not only would that make uh, most of, uh, of Christian life sort of unworkable, but more significantly, that kind of reading would conflict with what Jesus has already uh, said earlier in the Sermon on the Mount in the previous chapter, chapter 5, verse 16. Jesus says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so you, you might feel like you left asking Jesus, which one is it to be? Do we want people to see our good deeds or are our good deeds meant to be kept secret? Well, the first lesson for today is uh, to read the Bible in context and uh, realise then that Jesus here isn't prohibiting public ministry. From chapter 6, verse 1, Jesus has a particular audience in mind. Those who are in danger of practising their righteousness in front of others in order to be seen by them. 6 verse 5, Jesus describes the hypocrites who love to pray in public to be seen by others. Verse 16, the hypocrites who want everyone to know that they're fasting. And I skipped over 6 verse 2. The hypocrites who love to announce their charitable giving with with trumpets so that they would be honoured by others. That's Jesus' audience. That's who he's speaking to. Jesus' challenge is for those who are in danger of putting on an act. Those who are likely to end up looking like they're engaging with God when what they're actually doing is just putting on a show and waiting for the applause. And I wonder if that feels at all familiar to you. Perhaps Jesus is talking about people engaged in public ministry after all. Those who are in danger of making their acts of righteousness a public performance those who are likely to be praised by others for our lives of faithfulness, those who are in danger of desiring a reputation for righteousness more than we desire righteousness itself. And here, I'm not just speaking about some of us who are involved in public ministry. 
You know, just uh, those of us who are, who are in public ministry who have that sort of uh, danger towards the hypocrisy and, and the love of applause. Because I think this is an occupational hazard. There's an inbuilt danger in public ministry. Because after all, we all want to do ministry in the kind of way that would receive the praise of others. It's true, isn't it? It's not that we want the praise of others necessarily, but we want to do ministry in such a way that would encourage people to praise because what we do is appreciated. We want to do ministry that is valued by others. We as faculty want you to do ministry, public ministry that will be appreciated by others. The reason that we give ourselves to teaching and training and preparing you for public ministry is so that when you do get up in church and lead the prayers, that after the service, that people will say something other than that was nice. We'd love people to, to say, we appreciate it when you pray. Thank you for leading us in prayer this morning. You want that too, right? I mean, the alternative, you know, the alternative, Graham, I, I appreciate the effort that you put into leading the prayers, but, you know, to be honest, whenever I see your name on the prayer roster, just something inside me dies a little. It's like I hear what you're saying and either I can't understand what it is that you mean and then other times I understand perfectly what you mean, but that's not something that I want to pray. And I find you saying amen and I'm just thinking, ah, nah. And we don't want that. It's the nature of public ministry, isn't it? We want, we want to do our ministry in such a way that others would praise that ministry. And that's not a whole lot different from saying we want to do our public ministry so that others would praise our ministry. There's a challenge of leadership. I think this is one of the, if not the biggest challenge of Christian leadership. This challenge of occupying a place of prominence in the Christian community where if you fulfil your role well, others are likely to give you praise. And the danger will be that you fall in love with the praise more than you fall in love with God. And I hope you recognise the danger. And I hope that danger even makes you reticent to step into leadership roles. In, in my experience, some of the best leaders that I have uh, trained and mentored are those who have been hesitant to step into uh, leadership, to step up. They've been hesitant to step up because they are aware of how easy it is for them to love the praise that our culture gives to leaders. And in my experience, it's much easier to coach a reluctant leader into how to occupy a position of prominence with humility than to do the opposite. I hope you recognise the danger. 
So here is an occupational challenge for most, if not all of us here. And the good news is Jesus has a simple prescription for us, and that's secrecy. Verse 3, give to the needy in secret. Verse 6, pray in secret. Verse 17, fast in secret. Do your acts of righteousness in secret. Step out of the limelight and meet with God. See, if I'm going to train my heart to love prayer more than I love being commended for my praying, then I need to take on the discipline of secrecy, to spend time on my own in secret with no audience other than my Heavenly Father. You know, I... I, heard of a Christian leader once who was speaking at a, a Christian convention for, for young adults. And during the question time, uh, one of the young adults asked this uh, mature leader, could you tell us about your devotional life? I, I would love to know what it is that you do as a, as a mature Christian. What do you do to, to grow your relationship with God after all these years? Would you please tell us? And reportedly, the leader said, no, I I can't do that. It was that he knew the appeal. He knew the appeal to his heart to have lots of young adults roaming around the place saying, I model my devotional practices on, on this guy. I'm trying to be like him. And it seemed that he was aware of the, the danger that that presented to his own heart. And so to guard him against loving the adulation more than loving God, he had decided that this was a part of his spiritual life that he would keep secret, just between him and God. Reportedly, he said, look, ask me anything else. Ask me how I manage my finances, how I organise my time. Uh, Ask me about how I prepare sermons. But, but my devotional life, that I need to keep between me and the Lord. Secrecy. It's a discipline, a discipline to guard our hearts and a discipline particularly for those in public ministry, I would argue. What will it be for you? What do you need to keep between you and the Lord? to grow more in love for the Lord than the praise of others? Secrecy, I would argue, is an essential tool for effective Christian ministry. But still there's a danger. After all, we are so perverse that we can even use our secrecy as a ground for boasting, can't we? I I can't tell you about my devotional life because I just keep that secret between me and God, and look up Matthew 6 and and see how how righteous I am because I'm doing that. (laughs) Or or is it that we figure, look, because I keep my offertory secret 
and, and I said my prayers in my bedroom this morning and I didn't tell anyone I was fasting yesterday. So I am free to fill my social media feed with pictures of all the Christian books I'm reading and just wait for the likes to roll in. No, secrecy for secrecy's sake isn't the answer. But secrecy as a practice that draws deeply on the promises of God, well, well, that is. There are two grand promises in these verses. In verses 4 and 6 and 18, your father sees what is done in secret and your father will reward you. You know, so much of the hard work of Christian ministry just goes unnoticed. I mean, if you really want applause, uh, join the circus. Don't lead a church. Those hours spent preparing your sermon, wrestling with the text. The hours spent counselling those who struggle. The hours spent enduring the harping criticism of those who are anxious. The lost sleep due to heartache because of the conflict in the congregation. The stress of trying to get your head around the spreadsheets of the church accounts. All the times that you've rearranged the chairs, finished the washing up, filled in the incident report forms. And you go to bed wondering if anyone noticed. Does anyone... Does anyone care? Does anyone even see? And the good news is that God sees. Your father sees what is done in secret. And so when you find your heart yearning for recognition, when you find your heart longing for someone to notice and and to hear that applause, then put away the mask that's getting ready to put on a show and instead go into your room. Close the door. Pray to your father who is unseen. He sees. He sees what's done in secret. And when you find your heart bitter, that no one's recognising how hard you're working, how much you're sacrificing for the sake of the kingdom, then put away the furrowed brow and the sombre expression and the hunched back, shoulders back, put your moisturiser on, wash your face and smile and look to your heavenly father who sees what is done in secret. That's the first Great, empowering promise. God sees. And then as you come to meet with God in that secret place, remember the second part of this great promise. Your father will reward you. God isn't the secret police. God isn't like a heavenly Elf on the shelf, this sort of invasive uh, surveillance tool to ensure round-the-clock compliance. Your father is the Lord of grace 
and he will reward you. There's all sorts of passages in the New Testament that speak about the rewards of faithful ministry and Christian life. And what that reward involves, well, that's a question for your systematic theology class. Whatever it is, we know that when we receive that reward, then we'll say, but I don't deserve this. And the Lord will look at you with a smile and reply, when has deserving ever had anything to do with this good news? So, my brothers and sisters, this day, would you give yourself to learning and training and growing so that your public ministry, that your life of faithfulness would be the kind of ministry and life that make that makes other people want to say, congratulations, what a great job you've done? Would you do your public ministry well? And as you do your public ministry, would you also guard your heart by meeting the Lord in secret so that you would delight in his reward as you rest in the love and kindness and goodness of Christ.